Welcome to Florida. That is the voice of best-selling author and award-winning environmental reporter Craig Pittman. My name is Chad Scott, and this is the Welcome to Florida podcast. We're happy to have you along today. Later on, we will be talking to Kent Russell, author of In the Land of Good Living, A Journey to the Heart of Florida, He essentially walked across the state with some buddies, and we'll talk about his motivations and what he found. And certainly anyone, Craig, who walks across Florida calls to mind Lawton Childs, one of the giants of Florida politics. Who was he? He he was, in some ways, the quintessential Florida man. Grew up in Polk County, made money uh, because he invested in Red Lobster. When it was just no kidding. Out. No kidding. And um, uh, but a great a lawyer, local but... seafood place in Florida. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was. He was. Um, uh, and I always like to say Beyonce's favorite post-conjugal uh, restaurant. <laughs> uh, you know, he was a fairly uh, unknown politician mm-hmm. and, and lawyer, and but he wanted to run for uh, run for uh, U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. And at that point, this is 1970. Nobody had heard of him. And so he decided to walk the length of Florida and and stop in each place and you know yeah. and knock on doors and talk to people and he got a lot of coverage you know with this stunt and he got a permanent nickname of Walking Lawton. His campaign symbol was the boot with with a hole worn in it. <laughs> um, and he went on to serve in the U.S. Senate with distinction. Yeah, for like and, twenty uh, years and, almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he 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 dropped out because he. That he was grappling with depression, and he actually came clean about you know that he, really to, yeah he was taking medication for what he called the blacks. He would just hmm. fall into this black hole, and he said it was because of, this is an odd, odd thing to be depressed about. But he was depressed about the government's inability to balance the budget. He said that was the number one thing hmm. that preyed on his mind. He then ran for governor and served two terms. He, he earned a second nickname because his opponent his first time around was Jeb Bush, yeah. and uh, Jeb was. You know, uh, roll up and comer, and and had ties, of course, to the to the Bush family, to his father being president, and so forth. And in their last debate, said this apparently incomprehensible thing to some people, but old crackers knew what he's talking about. And he said, "Remember, the Hikun walks just before the light of day." And Bush looked thoroughly confused. But what he was meaning was he was going to pull out some last minute thing. And sure enough, his campaign made a wave of phone calls to elderly voters, warning that Jeb Bush was going to somehow defund Medicare which wow. <laughs> governor can't really do that. Uh, but he won. He won. And uh, and like I said, served, served two terms, actually died in office, died mm-hmm. with just a few days left in his term, you know, and then his lieutenant governor, Buddy McKay, got to be governor for like a, a hot minute. Yeah. But the, the thing I always loved about Lawton Childs, well, two things. One, his wife, Ray, started the Florida House up in Washington, D.C. Florida is the only state that has or needs an embassy in Washington. <laughs> and she, and like- she yeah. Okay. Why does Why it. does Florida need it, or why is Why did she think we, Florida needed an embassy? Because we really got to explain ourselves to everybody, man. You know that. Um, but if you stop in there and you show them your driver's license to prove you're a Floridian, they'll give you free orange juice and a nice, cool place to you know to sit for a, a little while. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing about him is when he when he won re-election, he, he showed up at his inaugural wearing a coonskin cap, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, and was carrying a potato gun. <laughs> And actually fired off several potatoes at the governor's mansion. (laughs) Of course he did. Of course he did. Uh, A couple of follow-ups. He was U.S. senator through most of the 70s and 80s. His term as governor was in the 90s. Okay, you mentioned Florida cracker. Help people with uh, an explanation of that term. And 
and the he coon as well. Uh, I think a lot of folks will be listening who who need a little bit of, and I'm one of them. Help putting that into some sort of context. Uh, okay, Florida Cracker are Florida natives, white Florida natives, unfortunately, and it it the name dates to the days when we had cattle uh, as a predominant industry here. We actually had mm. cowboys. And, and an unfenced range much later than the Old West did. And the they drove the cattle by snapping their whips at them, and the whip would make a cracking sound, and that's supposedly where the cracker name came from. It's from the driving of... And, uh, by the way, Frederick Remington, the great Western artist, yes. actually came to Arcadia in 1893 in the middle of a range war to paint Florida's cattle guys. And he was not impressed. He called, he called <laughs> them low-browed cow folk. <laughs> I think I think and we'll we they were the early Florida men they really were. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for it in this episode but I'm sure later yeah, on and we'll, something we'll that will will yeah. surprise people to no end is the amount of dairy and cattle production in Florida. Oh yeah. People think of, uh, but, of the, the great middle of this state is well, I won't say largely because I don't have the percentages in front of me, but there are a lot of cattle ranges. Well, we talked yes. uh, in the Villages episode about how that was former yeah. uh, cattle yeah. grazing land. But also there's yes. horse country in Florida and all kinds of agriculture aside from citrus that people, most people, especially outside of the state who only see sure. the, the beaches and the theme parks have no idea about. Yeah. And then Hikun, yes, the Hikun. Being, the, being the dominant male basically the alpha male, the Hikun, walked just before the light of day. And so he picked up the nickname Hikun, which, if you're from the Panhandle, is kind of ironic. I'm from, I'm from Pensacola, and we know the Hikun as a former congressman named Bob Sykes, who was very adept at getting pork barrel projects for the Panhandle, specifically military projects. But his nickname for years was the Hikun. Uh, and I just have to mention, the one thing the one thing I love about Bob Sykes is after he... he he ran into an ethics scandal and wound up no, leaving office. No, in Florida yeah, I know, for a politician? And, and, and so he, uh, he was determined to write his autobiography and, you know, and basically avenge himself on all of his enemies, but wound up suing his own, suing his own biographer because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like how she was doing the manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Uh, yeah. To follow up on the Florida Cracker, in the Jacksonville and Northeast Florida area, there's a chain of restaurants called Florida Cracker Kitchen. They are outstanding uh-huh. for uh, Southern cuisine and uh, grits and waffles and breakfast dishes and that sort of uh, traditional Southern fare. If you're ever near a Florida Cracker Kitchen in Northeast Florida, stop in. You'll get a great meal. Yeah. Well, And the irony, let me mm-hmm. mention this, yep, yep. the irony about it being... Uh, specifically identified with white Floridians, is that there were plenty of black cowboys in Florida back in the day who were snapping those whips, too, but they did not get tagged with that name. You know, and of course it has taken on a pejorative uh, uh, sense Mm -hmm. to it these days. So, anyway, all right, so let's get to Kent. Yeah, that (laughs) brings us to Kent Russell, who similarly, as Lawton Childs did, walked across the state of Florida. His new book is called In the Land of Good Living. Kent is a Florida native. The subtitle of the book, A Journey to the Heart of Florida, reading here from Amazon, a wickedly smart, funny, and irresistibly off-kilter account of an improbable thousand-mile journey on foot into the heart of modern Florida, the state that Russell calls America Concentrate. (laughs) First of all, I have to tell you, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you because I know, as you mentioned in the book, that Florida pedestrians get killed more than any, in any other state. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, 
So deciding to emulate Lawton Childs by walking across Florida is is basically by definition a suicide mission. <laughs> so, I, although it's I haven't finished wrong. the book. I, I haven't, I haven't finished the book, but I did check to the at the end just to make sure you survived. Yeah. Spoiler so, alert: He makes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm contacting you guys from beyond the grave right now. <laughs> oh, are we in Casadega? What uh, <laughs> What inspired this uh, seemingly outside looking in nutty idea of you and a couple of buddies walking across the state of Florida? You know, that's a very good question. It was a couple of things. Uh, I wish I had kind of a more coherent and concise origin story. But really, uh, I, I actually attempted to do, uh, in 2011, for a potential magazine piece, just uh, to exist in Miami, which is where I'm from, uh, for, you know, a week, just by foot and kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily living out, out of doors, but kind of roughing it in Miami and, you know, not relying on a car or public transportation. And that was truly a heinous and awful experience. But I just couldn't get enough of it. And then uh, a friend of mine in 2014 uh, who lived with me for a brief spell of time, we were, you know, uh, watching the Little League World Series, as one does, and maybe having a couple adult beverages and a, uh, a trailer for the movie version of the book Wild came on. And uh, he mentioned to me that, you know, that's what we should do is take a walking journey like Lawton Childs. <laughs> uh, who he had studied uh, in in his college days after returning from Iraq, and uh, yeah, his, his idea just kind of turned, you know, took on a life of its own. And while I can't say that we actually followed Lawton Childs's footsteps, I can say that he was the uh, the, the spiritual father of this journey. Uh, I haven't gotten as far as I've gotten. I I, had, I do have two questions. One is, sure. did your did your toenails ever recover? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, because you spend a lot of time talking about your how your feet deteriorate while you're walking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I I can tell you that uh, you know it's the old uh, the old canard that if you shave your body hair, it grows back in thicker. I don't know if that's true, but I can tell you that if you lose your your big toenails, they absolutely grow in thicker. And uh, now I have to cut them with like a a veterinarian (laughs) veterinarian clippers because they're about. A quarter inch thick. <laughs> They're like it's like Wolverine claws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. <laughs> Put on your feet. Uh, the other thing I was going to ask you is what happened in Daytona Beach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, because you just say the less said about Daytona Beach, the better, and then you just go right on from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are, there are a lot of uh, you know kind of blind alleys and uh, attempts at. You know, one actual, like, a serious answer to that question is one one thing about attempting to walk through the state of Florida and attempting to also kind of film a documentary at the same time is the, the actual contingencies and exigencies of trying to contact subjects, you know, and trying to set up interviews and things that you can film while also attempting to, you know, walk from place to place and do so within, you know, a, a fairly, uh, you know, like we didn't have a lot of time necessarily. We 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 finished the walk in about four months, but you know there, there were there were just a lot of times where man, if only we could stay in let's say Sop Choppy, you know, for like an extra uh-huh. week and be able to we'd be able to really you know hang out with the worm grunters and film something really spectacular with them or something, you know. So I mean Daytona Beach, there was a little bit of that, you know, where we're attempting to kind of get at the more, you know, the, the, the NASCAR-oriented parts of Daytona Beach and the spring break culture and all the rest of it. 
And let's just say uh, neither of those worked out, and perhaps the <laughs> spring break culture aspect of it overtook the NASCAR culture, and uh, you know, in a, in a fairly regrettable way. Okay. Worm grunters, uh, help me out with that expression, or, or are those folks? Ah, the worm grunters. They're, uh, if I recall, and forgive forgive me, worm grunters, if I uh, misremember, but the worm grunters, it, worm grunting is uh, a verb, obviously, and it's uh, it's it, an activity whereby I believe you you kind of hammer in a stake into you know some soft muddy earth yep. early in the morning. Yep. And you, uh, you, you kind of, as if playing a washboard, uh, you, you kind of rub another piece of wood against it, and the, the sound and the vibrations cause the worms to kind of rise up out of the ground, whereupon, you know, the, the worm grunter can then pick them up and sell them as bait or, or whatever have, you know, whatever you're going to yeah. do with your earthworms. But. And they have, a big, they have a big worm grunting festival in Sop Choppy every year where they, they yeah. celebrate this ancient art. Um, and uh, as scientists who have studied it say that the vibrations from rubbing that stub actually mimic the sound of a mole that eats the worms, mm. and that's what drives them up to the surface. So they, they wind up with, like, buckets full of worms they can sell to well, people to go fishing. Before you came on with us, Kent, we had uh, definitions of both Florida cracker and hecoon, ah. so this is a really good, uh, <laughs> like, Florida to English uh, dictionary <laughs> episode here of the Welcome to Florida. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, you know, I, I hope if anybody picks up my book, they appreciate the uh, the lesson and all kinds of strange Florida vocabulary. Uh, Yankee stranger is one that I didn't know before I set upon my uh, walking journey. And a Yankee stranger is, you know, what what one would call uh, somebody who was traveling down maybe the, the the Henry Flagler rail from the Northeast down to Florida, you know, in the middle of the 19th century to uh, to partake of perhaps a you know a a healthful spring or, you know, some kind of recuperative journey to, to take care of their typhoid or whatever it may have been. But <laughs> yeah, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, of, of new Florida uh, slang that I picked up along I, the way. I, I, I read once that they also, at least in the Miami area, called them swells because they came in <laughs> <on> the side. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Just like waves. Speaking of, you were talking about the difficulty of setting up meetings with people. I'm, I'm up to the part of the book where, I encounter what I think is the, probably the most Florida sentence you, you could probably write, which is, Jesus agreed to meet us at Epcot the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So t- talk yeah. a little bit about, about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, sometimes when uh, you're, you're, you've been walking along, you know, a Florida State Road for 12 to 16 miles in the hot, hot heat, you know, you're your brain has been slowly baked under the wetness of your hair by the sun. Uh, and then, you know, you, you bed down in the, in the nighttime behind a power station or behind a Sunoco or something like that. You pop your tent and then you plan on the logistics for the next day. You know, you, you try to figure out who maybe you'll talk to when you arrive in Orlando or something like that. And, you know, you're, you're a little sun dazed, you're a little tired. You're using your cell phone as like your primary, uh, you know, mode of communication and trying to set things up. And then maybe you see on a Facebook page, somebody says that they play Jesus at the Holy Land Experience. And, you know, you assume, well, that person works at the Holy Land Experience. And, you know, what a what a great kind of juxtaposition of both, you know, the Walt Disney aspects of Central Florida and also, you know, the kind of evangelical fervor that one might find there. 
And, you know, sometimes maybe you just uh, you misinterpret somebody's Facebook page and they don't actually work <laughs> there and they just, uh, you know, they might, they might be a little mentally unbalanced. So that kind of, uh, as I was explaining a little earlier about the, the kind of the give and take of trying to plan interviews and things on the road, sometimes it giveth and sometimes it taketh away, but you just got to well, kind of roll with it. Explain about the Holy Land experience, yes. which, which I always like to point out is, is not too far down I-4 from Dinosaur World. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a competing lot of theories there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Theme park cognitive dissonance. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, Craig, you may be able to better speak to what has happened to the Holy Land experience in the intervening four years. But I know that in 2016, uh, you know, what, what I had learned about the Holy Land experience is it was a theme park uh, that I believe was uh, originally founded by a Jewish man. Uh, in Orlando to kind of be a like a, a, a very biblically accurate representation of the the world and life and times of Christ kind of thing, where you could go and, you know, instead of having to travel to Israel and Palestine, you could go to Orlando yes. and, uh, you know, see <laughs> <Of course. laughs> uh, Nazareth and Bethlehem and all the rest of it. And, you know, maybe that wasn't as much of a moneymaker as one would think so. It was sold to the Trinity Broadcasting Corporation, you know, the, uh, the famous kind of uh, prosperity gospel preachers on the TV, and they turned it into something a little, with a little more razzle-dazzle, you might say. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you got, you know, uh, after the crucifixion, Christ belts out, you know, like a, a stirring number about his own resurrection, and, you know, there's lights. And and he, he gets crucified little, uh... six, times, six times a week, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's... It's uh, his his crucifixion schedule is really uh, it's really quite heavy. I think, and, you know, talk about having to do something in the hot Orlando sun. But yeah, yeah, the Holy Land experience. I believe they, the Trinity Broadcasting Corporation, went through some uh, some rough financial times, and they had to sell off quite a few, you know, gold plated angels and Harley Davidsons and things like that. So yes, well, and and then in April, you're asking what happened since then. In April, no, I'm sorry, in February. They announced they were going to be laying off 118 people, and oh, they were man. ending all theatrical productions and entertainment, and focusing on church and educational missions. So oh, I'm not so I'm not come, sure they put on a show there anymore. But yeah, we've we've come full circle. All right. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember urging the reporter who wrote the story. I remember urging her to try and find Jesus to see if she could interview him about being laid off. But. <laughs> it's tough all over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you love about Florida, Ken? Hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of write about this a little bit in the book, but truly, you know, being from Florida and uh, just very often people, when you're from Florida and you're a native born Floridian, people who aren't from there but have some kind of connection to it, you know, be it like Grandma lives in Boca or they've been to Disney several times. Everybody in the country basically has some kind of connection to Florida like that, which is mm-hmm. why I think it, it, it inspires so much curiosity amongst, like, you know, the wider American public. And what I love about Florida is that when I, I get to tell people and they ask me about it, you know, what, what's the deal with Florida? I get to tell them that really what Florida is is this kind of microcosm of the United States. And, you know, a lot of people may not really think that uh, when they, you know, hear a crazy Florida man story or, you know, some kind of other you know, wild news coming out of the state. But truly, if you look at, you know, how the, the, the trends uh, in America in the past, you know, 50 to 70 years, really, you know, be they like a social, cultural, economic, whatever it is, uh, th- 
you can look to Florida and not only can you find, you know, those trends, you can very often find them in like, a, you know, the most kind of concentrated and hyper-American form. So what I love about Florida is, is, as I say in the book, it really is kind of America concentrate. It really is this way to both, you know, I wouldn't say it's a funhouse mirror of America, but I would say it's kind of like a keyhole, like a, <laughs> when they say Florida is America's wang, you know, you could kind of think of it as a wang-shaped keyhole to the heart of the United that you can look through and see the heart of the United States, you know? So I guess that's, that's why I love Florida. Didn't you compare it to the, the dripping pan under a George Foreman grill? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. And I believe my, the, the, that idea came to me while reading your great book, Craig. Your great uh, explanation of how Florida's, uh, you know, the, the freedom of the press kind of laws and developments are really the, the genesis of all the Florida man stories you hear about now. You're talking about, oh, Florida, right? Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, are, what other books did you read to get ready for your journey, or, to, or once you completed it? You know, that's a great question. Um, I read a lot of Florida histories uh, beforehand. Gary Mormino's histories of Florida and his writings on Florida really were mm-hmm. truly essential to me. There have been a lot of cultural histories of Florida, like T.D. Allman has written one. I noticed you quoted Richard Fogelsong's Married to the Mouse. Yes, exactly. Fogelsong yeah. was, yeah, was very important for you know Orlando. It's Kind of like I was saying about Florida being somewhat of like America concentrate. There, just traveling around and down the state, you know, it's no matter depending on what part of the state you're in, you can read so much, and it doesn't even have to be kind of limited to just Florida history or you know Florida cultural criticism or something like that. You know, like you, you like I, I was talking about Daytona, you can look there and just see like the history of you know auto racing in America, or you know you go to Orlando and you've just got the history of tourism, not just in America, but world tourism and Tampa Bay, you've got organized crime and, you know, perhaps the, uh, the, the birthplace of the lap dance. And you, you don't, I guess it's uh, my roundabout way of saying that I did read quite a lot of Florida history and cultural criticism and all that, but to, to limit myself to only that would have kind of done a disservice to the great kind of, you know, cultural and historical importance that Florida has for this country and the world. Despite all that research you did, and despite being a native, what surprised you from your walk? Hmm. You know, that's a very good question. Uh, I, I guess uh, just from a physical point of view, I was surprised that, you know, I was able to do it and not, you know, as Craig said, get, a, yeah. get, get turned into not a... Not become roadkill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that surprised me. Uh, and not just also that I, you know, I'm not exactly the world's most athletic man, but... You know, my hope was that, like a spring spring training baseball player rolling into Florida, maybe a couple pounds overweight and hungover, you know, and hoping to play himself into shape, I was kind <laughs> of able to do that while walking along. Uh, but you know, I guess what what surprised me is just walking along and experiencing Florida, maybe at a level that not a lot of people have before. You know, it's a, it's a pace of walking, which you know I can't remember who said it, but. The, it's, the pace of walking is kind of described as the, the pace of thought, you know, and to, to really get to know it on that, you know, just gra- literal ground floor level and at that pace, you know, I was surprised at how much not only, I mean, there was a lot that I didn't like about doing that and there was a lot that was kind of imperiling and maybe, you know, not not physically beautiful walking through certain parts of Florida and all the rest of it, but 
I, I will say I was kind of surprised that by the end of it, you know, I really did feel as though I loved the place even more uh, than when I began it. And it, I was surprised that, you know, I, I just felt that I was so lucky to be able to get to do that, to spend four months doing that, um, and really to get to, to do something that, to my knowledge, really not that many people have done. You know, we've got Lawton, and I guess me now, but I, I don't <laughs> know too many people who have had the privilege and the luck, really, to not only do it, but to survive it and to get to tell other people about it. Are there parts of the state you feel like are more walkable than others? Absolutely. Um, seaside Florida, firstly, where they don't allow cars in off the highway. That was Oh, yeah, that's right. Of, that was kind of nice to... Uh, where they, where they filmed that. the Truman Show, too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that was a little more pedestrian-friendly. Um, I will say, you know, from time to time, like, uh, exiting Gainesville... And just happening a, 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 upon a, uh, oh, like a bicycle trail. path. Yes. Yes, yeah. a walking trail or a bicycle path that you weren't, like Google Maps didn't show you existed. And then you happened upon it kind of, you know, in the, in the day's drudgery of walking. You know, things like that where somebody or some, you know, local civic group had just donated the time and money to actually give you a, a biking trail or something like that was, was truly wonderful. But the, the, the closer you got to urban areas the more you realized or you, you came to understand all those statistics about how, you know, routinely Florida cities like Tampa and Orlando and Miami and Jacksonville are, you know, the most dangerous places for pedestrians. Uh, when you're walking along, you know, like a more rural route, maybe in a panhandle or something, you know, there's, there's enough traffic or there's, you know, the traffic is sparse enough that they can kind of give you time and space, even if you're just walking along the shoulder, maybe only like 18 inches from the lane line or something. But when you, when you enter an urban area and you see that, like, nobody looks at a crosswalk when they're rolling through a red light making a right turn, you know, that's when you really realize that, whoa, this is dangerous, you know, not necessarily like the, the highways connecting cities. Yeah. I have lived all across the country and uh, live in Fernandina Beach now, and I have never in my life, and this is not to put responsibility on the pedestrians or the bicyclists who get mowed <laughs> over with far too much regularity, but... I have never in my life seen more people walk or bike on the wrong side of the road. So here's a little. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal one of Craig's gimmicks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm yes. gonna steal Craig's gimmick here and say you walk into traffic and you yes. bicycle with traffic, and uh, that's follow not the, follow the traffic laws. Yeah, that's not going to prevent uh, you from running into trouble, but it's going to help. And these are old people. Uh, people who are, are used to like walking and biking and not having the car to go everywhere. Sixty-year-olds yeah. walking with their backs to traffic. I see it every single day, and I, yeah, I, 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 I've lived here eight years. I, I still can't get over it. No, I can't. Having done having done what I did, I can't even imagine walking with your back to traffic. Uh, that was kind of what became our our mantra in a way was if we were able to to look through somebody's windshield as they approached us and make eye contact with them we felt as though that, like, assured our safety. <laughs> like, if we could make eye contact with somebody, then at least they know we're here, and they're not just going to, you know, send us pinwheeling 20 feet into a, into a drainage ditch. So I can't even imagine not, uh, not attempting to do that while walking along the state. Some, some folks who, are, uh, who seem determined to get flattened, my wife refers to them as campaigning for death. 
<laughs> in the land of good living is kent russell's new book you can find it on amazon everywhere you shop for books online and hopefully everywhere you shop for books in person in the state of florida when uh, we start doing that more regularly again one of the numerous reviews i read of the book spoke a little to this idea of how different florida is culturally socially geographically from top to bottom and one of the things that i don't think a lot of outsiders recognize or realize or understand is just how different north florida and the panhandle is from the more subtropical latin caribbean influenced south florida and how did those differences really strike home to you when, like you said, you were able to observe them at uh, a walking pace from top to bottom? That's a very good question. And I, being from Miami, hadn't really spent a lot of time in, say, the panhandle. And I think that, that like, not to, to belabor the kind of uh, comparison between Florida being, uh, you know, like a microcosm of the United States, but in the same way that I think a lot of people, you know, may not, you know, may have kind of no interaction with people from different geographic parts of the country, be it north to south or something like that. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I had really never spent an, expense, an extended period of time in the Panhandle, and it, it's true that the Panhandle truly is, you know, an extension of the South. Um, and just you know, culturally, uh, politically, you see that played out all over the place. For me, you know, being from Miami, it's true that you know, we, my experience of Florida is just vastly, vastly different than somebody who's from the Panhandle or even somebody, you know, who's from Central Florida, who's from the Gulf side of Florida. I'm constantly baffled by the Gulf. It kind of creeps me out how warm it is. And, you know, I, I just know it's partially contained in a way. I feel as though somehow that means there are more sharks in there or something. But, you know, it's a, it's, that's part of the, like I was explaining before, why I, you know, truly love the state more and more, especially after the walk, is that you do get that, the, the weird kind of cultural exchange when when somebody from Miami can meet somebody who's lived in, let's say, like Apalachicola for several, several generations. And, you know, their dad was an oyster man and his dad before that. And now they're a shrimp boat captain because, you know, the oysters have kind of been ecologically devastated. But, his, you know, that, that kind of guy's experience of Florida is going to be more, you know, uh, pine trees and, you know, going to be like much more culturally Southern than my experience of, like you said, Miami being, you know, as they say, like the capital of the Caribbean and just having this, you know, massive influx of different, you know, South American, Central American cultures, people, you know, experiences like that. So, you know, Florida contains multitudes and it's, you know, you can say that you can divide Florida into three discrete Floridas, but I mean, it's, it's many, many more, you know, separate and discernible Floridas than just three, you know, somebody from even Fort Myers is going to have a vastly different experience of Florida than I had, you know, growing up in Miami. So it, it really is uh, just phenomenal in that regard. Well, now, speaking of different, differing regions and how different they are, did you guys, I, I noticed you ended in Coconut Grove. Did you talk about going to the Keys at all? I, I got, I can't imagine trying to walk the seven mile bridge even, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of became deathly afraid of bridges. And it may have been kind of irrational, <laughs> just considering the the risks we were taking on at basically every hour, you know, waking and sleeping. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the keys we thought about, and at the outset of our journey, we would tell people and they asked us, "Oh, you know, where are you going to go till?" We we would say, "Yeah, maybe the keys." We don't know, you know. 
But uh, as soon as as soon as we hit Miami and kind of you know we we got to Miami Beach and getting to Miami Beach, even though that's very pedestrian friendly to get you know to get across all the causeways and stuff mm-hmm. in Miami, it's we were still, as you said, Craig, considering that a uh, that uh, rather considerable journey to get down to the Keys, and you know as we dip you know cocktails with little umbrellas in them on Miami <laughs> Beach, we said, eh, you know. This is, I think this will do. This is fine. <laughs> was there a particular, you, you guys camped a lot. Was there a particular place oh, that yeah. you found that was a really good camping spot? No, that, that kind of ties into the, like, the, the danger of, like, rural walking versus kind of urban walking, where, you know, it's much, it was much easier for us to camp in those kinds of in-between heavily wooded or, you know, more uh, rural areas. So, you know, we, would, we camped behind a lot of power stations. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, but from time to time, we used the Zillow app on our phones to find oh, no. uh, houses <laughs> that were maybe for sale and camp in those backyards. Uh, but yeah, it was once once we kind of entered cities or more urban areas, it became very very difficult to kind of gorilla camp, as we called it. And in fact, when we hit, um, uh, I can't remember where it was on the outskirts of Orlando, a kind of Tony or suburban area we realized, you know, oh, we can't really, there are no hotels here. It's all residential. We can't find like a cheap motel. Also, it was Halloween night. So uh, <laughs> we, we ended up, uh, you know, we had to wait for the trick-or-treaters to subside. And then we tried to camp behind a bunch of batting cages in a, in a you know, city park. And it, it was truly another kind of a, a quite out there experience to wake up to the sound, the, the ping of a bat as batting <laughs> practice was going on, Little League team. You know, and we emerged from our our mold-spotted and reeking tents to wave at, you know, <laughs> coach and a bunch of little leaguers. So it was, to answer your question, it was much easier to find, you know. Coach, uh, is that uh, the little league, is that the major league scout? You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the book is In the Land of Good Living. The author is Kent Russell, reading from the review on Amazon.com. It is a book that is wildly vivid, encyclopedic, erudite, and ferociously irreverent, a deeply ambivalent love letter to his sprawling, brazenly varied home state. Kent, thank you so much for your time today. We look forward to reading the book and encourage everyone to go out and get their own copy to enjoy. Before we go, I just want to read a line that you wrote from yourself as part of one of your movie scripts at the very end. How do we tell the true Florida story? By revising it continuously, unscrupulously. So I'm looking forward to when you come back in 10 years and do the walk all over again. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, <laughs> we can just go and actually, uh, you know, pretend like we're making a guerrilla documentary while, while staying in motels and scrupulously scripting every <laughs> shot, you know, we're about to take. So that would be the true Florida documentary, I think. But anyhow, thank you guys so much for having me. This was sure. a lot of fun. My least favorite things about my uh, hometown, or where I work at least, Jacksonville, and one of my favorite things about your hometown, St. Pete, is walkability. Jacksonville is terrible for walkability. St. Pete is great for walkability, and I wish more cities around the state of Florida were walkable like a New York, like a Boston, like a Chicago, and had that kind of downtown area where you could walk between the museums and the restaurants and the boutiques like St. Petersburg has. I think they've done a masterful job with that downtown arts core area of making that pedestrian friendly, which is uncommon in the South generally and in Florida in particular. 
Well, and I have to mention that the walking area downtown actually ties into the Pinellas Trail, where you can you can uh, bike or you know roller skate or skateboard or if you're really ambitious, walk the entire length of Pinellas County all the way up really? to the north end. Yeah, it's a, it's on an old rail bed, um, and they, it was one of the first ones in the country. Yeah, and uh, it's it's great, and it gets rave reviews from everybody about uh, about how uh, wonderful it is, and it actually provides uh, uh, business for some of the small towns along the way, like Dunedin actually has a little commercial district mm-hmm. that caters to people on the Pinellas Trail. In Fernandina Beach and down uh, Nassau County into Duval County, the tippy-top northeast corner of the state, there is uh, a new bike path has gone in, so you can walk and bike now mostly from downtown Fernandina Beach, which is the very utmost uh, northern border of the state, down into Duval County, and it's great. I mean, I, I live right next to this thing, and you talk about if they, if you build it, they will come. There is clearly a great desire in this state for more walking paths, more biking mm-hmm. paths, because this one went in uh, not 50 yards from where I live, and people are on it constantly, and it's great to see. And it and there are probably pushing twenty miles on this thing now, so that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, bear in mind a lot of the places that were built in say the fifties and sixties. Not only did they not put in sidewalks for people to walk on, but sometimes they forgot to put in places for schools and churches too. <laughs> yeah, just you know, the, the little small oversights. You know, yeah, just, uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Not a lot I mean, of planning involved. <laughs> welcome to Florida.